let's, uh, let's not only clap for Tanya, let's, can we just say a thank you to every one of our families that are involved in adoption, foster care, uh, all of our support one teams that wrap around and show love to these families. It's so awesome. We want to be a church on the move, and this is one of the greatest ways that we move and show the love of Christ uh, to those in need in our community. All right, our kids can now head up to be with our team in Redemption Kids. And as you open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of 1 Corinthians, we'll be in chapter 14 this morning. I want to just welcome all of our guests, whether you're uh, new this Sunday, new-ish to Redemption Hill. Uh, we're grateful that you're here. If you're joining us online, thank you. And uh, you can download our church app. Uh, just go to any app store, type in Redemption Hill Church Medford. You should uh, see it pop up. And uh, we would love for you to fill out the digital connect card that's on the homepage there. It's just our way of getting to know you. Uh, we'll, we'll say what's up to you this week. Thank you uh, for coming and joining us again. So uh, this morning before we get into the word, I just have a few uh, pieces of valuable information for you. Okay, so number one, uh, you have received in your email, if, you, if we don't have your email, fill out the digital connect card and then you'll receive these kinds of pieces of information. Uh, we are doing what is called a chat survey uh, in our church. This is a health assessment so that we can listen to our members, our attenders, and just get valuable perspective on where we are as a church. There are some things that hopefully, like we're killing it for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like we just like, man, you think about redemption, it's like, man, this church is on point. And then there are probably some other things that's like, oh, we got some work to do. And we know that as pastors, but we want to hear from you as well. So please fill that out. Uh, then next weekend, we have our Thanksgiving meal giveaway, okay? So uh, many of you have already contributed, so many of you have already signed up to serve, uh, but there are still opportunities. So uh, give a gift, $40 covers a meal, even if you can't do that, give something. And then also, uh, we're looking for at least 20 more people to sign up to serve with us next Saturday, to stuff the meal, meals, prepare the meals in bags. Uh, that takes about an hour, then we'll pray, we'll get our assignments, and we will go out and deliver those meals. It is always a highlight of the year at Redemption Hill. So I would just say, uh, if you can invest those two hours, you will get more than you give. And that's just how it works when we serve and bless others. Uh, so that's next weekend, next Saturday. Um, don't forget, next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you've never been baptized, if you're a new follower of Jesus and you want to take that step, uh, find me, reach out to me after the service or super early this week so we can uh, make sure you're good to go. And then finally, members, don't forget, uh, we want to hear your voice about some important matters in the life of our church. We have our uh, annual meeting, so that's happening tonight at 430 at Hope Fellowship Church. So with all that, I think we should pray one more time and ask God to prepare our hearts to receive from his word. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful. God, we're grateful for uh, the hearts of the people known as Redemption Hill Church. God, we're not a perfect church, but uh, we follow a perfect God, and we want to reflect you in, in as in any and all of our ways. And as God, we thank you for how uh, you stir so many, Lord, in our church to be a part of uh, adoption and foster care and how you not only have moved so many families but then others to come alongside of them and to encourage them in their journey. So we're all in this together. Thank you. God, thank you that we can sing songs to you and, and, and just turn our attention to who you are. God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is real and that, God, you want to speak to us today even as we open your word. So, Father, we ask that you would give us humble hearts. Lord, give us, give us teachable spirits. 
to receive what you want to give us today and to not just receive information, Lord, but to have our hearts changed as we move out to live transformed lives in the name of Jesus. We pray through Christ. Amen. All right. Well, uh, one of the greatest gifts God gives us is the gift of communication. We know that before the world was created, God existed in, in an eternally loving, communicative relationship as the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And then when God created the world, he actually, we could say, he communicated it into existence. He spoke the world into existence. That's how bad God is, by the way. He can just say something, boom, it happens, like create the entire cosmos, all right? Uh, so this is, you know, God creates the world. But not only that, when he creates people, he made us in his image for relationship and with the ability to Communicate. So you're probably well aware how uh, easy communication is. I mean, it's easy, but it's hard. I know just like the accessibility is what I'm talking about. Uh, in addition to face-to-face -face conversations, which we're big fan of, by the way. Like, let's, let's spend time together, all right? But, but screens can be helpful, can be helpful. And did you know that each day over 23 billion text messages are sent across the globe? Wow. And, and the average person in a given week will spend 12 hours talking on the phone. God made us for a relationship. He made us to communicate. I mean, some of you love to communicate so much that it's like you're sending not just like a, a few text messages. You're sending like, you know, hundreds a week. And it's just like so much that your thumbs are mad at you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, can you give me a, can you give me a little break here? Um, but then others of you are like, I'm not sure if I like people. You know, it's like. If I have to respond, maybe I'll give them a shout-out back like four or five days later, you know. But you know, even for introverts, we would go insane. Let me say, you would go insane. <laughs> I'm not an introvert. Uh, you, would go, you would go insane without the gift of communication. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And what this tells us is this. The question is not if we will communicate, but how we will communicate and what impact our words will have to one another. God, you see, wants to bring people life through our speech. This is one of the primary reasons why he gives us his Holy Spirit. If you follow Jesus, you have the very presence of God living with inside, inside of you. And so what this means is that for all of us, our speech in ways that are more frequent and with greater effectiveness. Gifts like encouragement and evangelism, teaching and preaching, and also these two that we find addressed 
in 1 Corinthians 14, tongues and prophecy. And so as we dive into what, what Paul is going to share with us here in 1 Corinthians 14, we see that the primary encouragement for us is this, that we should strive to excel in strengthening the church through spiritual gifts. Strive to excel in strengthening the church through spiritual gifts. Now, what's been going on here in chapters 12 and 13 is that Paul has been laying a foundation. He talked generally about the spiritual gifts and how God has gifted each one for the common good. And that it takes all of us in the family, the body of Christ, whether we're an arm or a leg or whatever, to work properly and to accomplish God's purposes. But he says, as we do that, we should do everything in love. All of this is foundational for the primary issue that he's going to, issues he's going to address in chapter 14, which was a problem in the church of Corinth that they were practicing the gifts specifically of prophecy and tongues in ways that didn't reflect the heart of God. We can't precise all of the, uh, the, the issues, pinpoint all the precise issues, but we, we can uh, Glean from the text that uh, there was an unhealthy emphasis on the gift of tongues. Some thought they were superior to others because they spoke or prayed or sang in tongues. Others were practicing these, these gifts without consideration of others. Uh, for those that had the gift of prophecy, some of those were, were like talking over each other. And there wasn't order, but there was confusion in their worship. And so Paul then gets to these issues in chapter 14. And what he's going to do is provide two encouragements for us today from verses 1 through 11. The first is this, that we would pursue spiritual gifts with passion, especially prophecy. And then the second encouragement is that we would practice spiritual gifts according to their dynamic purpose. And so first, let's look at what Paul says about pursuing spiritual gifts with passion, especially prophecy. This is what he writes in verses 1 through 5. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. But even more. To prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. What we have here in Paul's words of, of, in 1 Corinthians 14 is really the evidence that we need as sometimes Bible readers that what he's been saying in chapter 12, in chapter 13, in chapter 14, they all run together. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read the Bible, I get fooled by these chapter divisions. And we think like the Holy Spirit inspired the, the chapter divisions and the verse references. Guess what? Those were added centuries later after the authors wrote the Bible. So we can think like, well, chapter 12 is kind of like, you know, part of the topic. But it's like 
you know, kind of disconnected. And then chapter 13 is like, okay, this is all somewhat disconnected from what he says in chapter 14. But if we read it carefully, we see that at the end of chapter 12, what does Paul say in verse 31? Look at it. He says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. And then he gets into that excellent way in all of chapter 13, which is what? The way of Love, thank you. Let's, let's say it one more time because I love it when we talk back at Redemption Hill. The way of love. love. That's right. But then what does he do in chapter 14 in verse 1? He says this, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So this is what uh, linguistic scholars would call a, a chiasm, all right. He says to earnestly desire the gifts and pursue the more excellent way. And then he says pursue love. And earnestly desire the gifts. So there's this A, B, B, A structure, which is a poetic way of drawing attention to the entire material together. And especially sometimes what is in the middle. And what is in the middle, it is the way of love. love. You're doing better. All right. So... We don't, get, we don't nerd out too much every day on Sunday mornings, okay, with all these crazy terms, unless you're an English teacher. But it's important to see that all of this runs together. And everything that Paul is about to say about these kind of what sometimes feel to us, depending on our church upbringing and background, may feel like these weird concepts of people speaking in languages that we don't even understand or giving, getting messages from God on the spot for people to encourage them and build them up. It's like, what do we do with this? Well, the first thing we do with it is remember that whenever... God is, ex- is giving us the ability to exercise any gift, whether that's mercy, whether that's just serving someone. Oh, we don't say just at Redemption Hill. No, 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 I just said that two weeks ago. We don't say just anything. Whether it's mercy, whether it's serving, whether it's encouraging someone, all of these gifts are to be exercised with love. So these two powerful words bring the famous love chapter to an action point. Pursue love. Every time we serve someone with our spiritual gifts, you need to think about this is what's going on. Is that we are giving of ourselves for the benefit of someone else. And by the way, if you want a definition of love, that's a pretty good one. Give of yourself for the sake of someone else, for the the benefit of someone. Husbands, write that down. Husbands, write that down right now. Give of myself for the benefit of my friends. Write that down. Roommates, write that down. I'm going to preach a little bit today. This ain't in my notes. But like, hey, just write it down. This is why he gets if we can build others up with the love that he puts in our lives. As we crafted uh, what we are calling seven pursuits of a disciple, as we all follow Jesus together, we're saying we want to seek God daily with passion and joy. We want to surrender daily to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, not just to know the word, but to live it out. We want to share Jesus weekly with bold faith. We want to spend time building healthy relationships with RAC family. That's pursuit four. And pursuit five is what? Serve with intentional love in the church, home, and city. The, the, the service and love always go together. And God gives us spiritual gifts to serve with greater effectiveness as we serve the church and outside of the church. But he, he not only says pursue love, but he says then earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And this, this uh, phrase, earnestly desire, is one word in the Greek which is zelute. And you can hear our word zealous. God wants us to zealously pursue any and all spiritual gifts. 
He, he wants us to, to go after them. Uh, the word uh, zelute can mean to be jealous for or to strive after. God wants us to want the gifts. He wants us to pursue them with passion. And, and I don't know if you... If you're passionate about, I hope you're passionate about some things in your life. But we all see when someone's passionate about something, they live with an intense focus. They have a contagious enthusiasm about that which they're passionate for. They, they will do almost anything to get what they desire. And we're passionate about a lot of things. I mean, even in Boston, right, we're passionate about the Grease. We're passionate about the Celtics. Thank you, 10 and 3 Celtics. Uh, you know, we're passionate about our, our, our relationships and all the, it's great to be passionate about, sometimes, sometimes we're passionate about making a, a buck or whatever. And that's not, that's not necessarily evil. We want to be generous with what God gives us. But all these things can be good. But what about our passion for the things of God? What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so to seek after spiritual gifts with passion is part of what it means to seek after the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. We're to go after them with all of our hearts. But as Paul gets into the specific issues that are happening there in the church of Corinth, he says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And then what we have in chapter 14 is by far the most teaching and instruction we have in the Bible on the gifts of tongues and prophecy. And Paul sets up the relationship between these two gifts and how they are different, but also how they can be similar as well. So what I want to do is this. I want to define tongues and prophecy. Then I want to draw out distinction between the two. And then finally I want to give some encouragements on what it might look like to desire these and any and every gift. So number one, let's define them. Tongues, we say quite simply, tongues is speaking a language that is unknown to the speaker. That's just a simple definition of tongue. Speaking a language that's unknown to the one who is speaking it. Sam Storms, who has a number of books on the spiritual gifts, particularly these miraculous gifts that Paul is covering in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14. Uh, he says that the gift of tongues is simply the spirit energized, like how he says that, the spirit energized ability to pray, worship, give thanks, or speak in a language other than your own or one you might have learned in school. And so we know that from Acts chapter 2, that at times these tongues could be actual languages that are unknown to the person speaking them, but known to someone else. On the day of Pentecost, this is exactly what is going on. The, 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 the Parthians and the Medes and the Egyptians, they're all hearing their languages from people who had never spoken their language before. I mean, they're like, this is wild, what is happening? But this was all the fulfillment of God's promises to make the gospel known. But languages that are known to others but not to the speaker is, is not what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 14. Or it's at least not what he's primarily talking about. He's primarily talking about language, a language that no one understands except God. All right? A language that no one understands except God. 
Sometimes tongues can be referred to as heavenly languages or angelic languages. I mean, we even see where Paul says in chapter 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. And you say, well, Pastor Tanner, do you really believe that when someone is speaking, praying in a tongue, that that is an angelic language? Maybe. Maybe not. But I think we can get there rationally and even from the scripture here that that could be what is going on. Um, perhaps it's best just to call these spiritual languages, that these are, these, are, these are languages of the spirit that he is giving us as directed to God. Paul says in verse 2 that those who pray or speak or praise in tongues are uttering mysteries in the spirit. And as the chapter goes on, we see that this gift is most often exercised in private prayer or singing. And, and I'm not going to like ask you to raise your hand, like hey, if, you, if you pray in tongues or if you've heard others pray or speak in tongues. But I know that uh, when, when I began to experience others praying in tongues, it was like a really disorienting experience for me. I mean, if you've experienced this, you probably would say the same. It's something like when I was 20 years old and I flew from the United States to Hong Kong. And when I got off the plane, there were hundreds of people speaking in the, the Mandarin and Cantonese language. And I was just, I was just my mind had to, to adjust to all of the different sounds that I was hearing. And this is sometimes how it can be when we hear people praying in tongues. We have to, to step back and, and kind of take it in for a moment. And... and it's tempting for us to, to say, okay, well, tongues, like, it's so weird. It kind of beats against our kind of uh, Western, rationalistic, materialistic, not in terms of money, but just the material world versus the spiritual world. And, and it's just like, is that even real, number one? But if it is, it's like, what do I do with it? And one of the options is to say, well, this is just like mindless babble. It doesn't mean anything. But that's not true. L language means something. And again, it's like pretty self-centered for us to say, oh, this is just mindless babble. These people are acting crazy. And, and, and sometimes people are acting crazy and we're not for that at Redemption Hill, by the way. <laughs> just, just for the record. But when someone is sincerely praying in a tongue, it may seem like gibberish to us. But let me tell you something. It is connecting to the heart of God. This is what N.T. Wright says, an Anglican scholar who is one of the world-renowned scholars of the Bible. He says this, Tongues refers to the gift of speech which, though making sounds and using apparent or even actual languages, somehow bypasses the speaker's conscious mind. Such speech is experienced as a stream of praise which though the speaker may not be able to articulate what is precisely being said, a sense of, listen, a sense of love for God, of adoration and gratitude, wells up and overflows. It is like a private language of love. This is what's going on when someone is praying or singing or speaking in a tongue. It is a praise song to God. So that's tongues. What about 
prophecy. We spent more time on prophecy. I'm going to spend more time on prophecy the next two weeks. But prophecy is speaking a message given spontaneously by God. It's speaking a message given spontaneously by God. This could come when you're praying or just when you're hanging out or in a small group or it, it really at any time. Uh, I would, like we've said about why we believe miraculous gifts are for today, primarily from the Bible, of course, and what the Bible is teaching us. But as we say, well, why am I not experiencing these gifts? Well, one of the things I've, I've shared is that maybe you have and you just didn't recognize it. I mean, you have, you have probably even prayed prophetically for me. You might have the gift of prophecy. I think you can prophesy and not necessarily have the gift or certainly be the gift, gifted prophet. But like maybe just like God is just depositing something for you to pray as you're praying for someone. And it just hits them in a way that you would have never dreamed. But God is showing them that he loves them, that he knows them, that he is with them, that he wants them to draw near to him. And he is drawing near as well. So sometimes we can think that these understandable words are a little more than like a crystal ball moment that is only future-oriented or only predictive. But as we look at prophecy in the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, even more than future orientation, there, there is words for the present moment. Sometimes even a word of prophecy will point back to someone's past. By the way, we talk about word of knowledge and sometimes a prophet will bring up something from a person's past and that's God's way as he's speaking through the person prophesying for you to be like, oh, this is real. This is legit. Pay attention. I see you. I love you. And so prophecy is not just future-oriented, although it often is giving us direction and grace for the future. And so that's the definition of tongues and prophecy, but what about the distinctions? Well, tongues are directed to God. This is what verse 2 says. Look, look at it again. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks, what? Not to men, but to God. Sam Storms goes on to say, tongues, whether spoken or sung, are fundamentally worship and intercession. I mean, it takes like, go back and read the Bible and keep reading it and reading it and reading it some more. Because, like, again, just being transparent and vulnerable. Uh, I just really thought that tongues was about God saying something crazy through somebody and it wasn't legit unless there was an interpreter. So that, like, it was really only about being directed toward people and everyone should keep their mouth shut unless there's someone who can interpret And that certainly can happen. Paul talks about that in this chapter. But... Primarily, it is about a person directing their words to God as prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. And I tend to agree with Sam Storms, by the way, who says that even when a tongue is interpreted, it's probably going to have the content of prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. Because it seems to be most often directed to God. If it is directed toward people in the presence of other people for their edification, there must be an interpreter as verses 5, 13, 27, and 28 make plain in 1 Corinthians 14. Prophecy, on the other hand, is not directed to God, but it is received from God and directed to people. But there's another distinction here. Tongues 
primarily build up the one who is speaking. We see this in verse 4. What does Paul say? The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. And, and, and again, if you're, if you're, you're like me and, and this is like, you know, it's, it's not new for me now, but it, it, it has been new in the, in the past several years of really just going into a deeper study of the scriptures and, and what the Bible is actually saying about these gifts. But maybe this is brand new for you today. And this isn't, by the way, a topic that we cover every Sunday. We just preach through the Bible uh, most Sundays at Redemption Hill, and we cover what the Bible says. So, so if this is new for you, you, you might be caught off guard just that, is this like a real thing? And God gives us these unknown languages that speak to him. And if that is to him, then, well, like, is that... Is that what the purpose of a spiritual gift is? Because all throughout the Bible we see that the spiritual gifts build up the church and they strengthen others and they're very much others-oriented. So it seems strange that Paul would say that the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Because I thought that for the longest that only spiritual gifts built up other people. But we can think through this both theologically, practically, and biblically in terms of why, why Paul would say we are built up when we exercise the gift, specifically the gift of tongues. Theologically, we know that when God asks us to do something and when God empowers us to do something, we would expect that he is going to tie a blessing to it, right? So, so that's, that's, that's a theological uh, argument that, hey, as we pray in a tongue, we're going to build ourselves up because God is doing this in us and he is instructing us in this way. But then number two, if we think biblically, go underline Jude, this one chapter little book written by the half-brother of Jesus, Jude, verse 20 that says this, look at this. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. And so, I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the morning and I spend time with God, and I read my Bible, and I pray, and I worship, I am doing that first and foremost as an expression of my love for God, but I'm also doing it as an expression of my weakness. Because I, in the presence of God, get a little bit stronger. And that's what he's designed his truth to do, is to build me up. And so I am happy to build myself up when it comes to Bible reading and prayer and worship and all these other ways. And this is also happening with the gift of tongues. But then practically, do you just, the areas where you're gifted, you know what? You come alive. Right, like I believe God's gifted me to preach. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not like gonna be false humble or whatever. Like oh, I can't. Like if I don't have the gift of preaching, then I should resign. And you guys need to find another pastor, right? And when when I'm preaching, I'm alive. I'm breathing. I'm enjoying it. This is fun for me. I am built up. And then physically, I'm tired and need a nap in the afternoon. But but you get the like you get the point, right? So Paul says, build yourselves up through the. The gift of tongues. But in prophecy, what prophecy builds up the people around us as we share these messages from God. This is exactly what he goes on to say in verse 3. But the one who prophesies, on the other hand, speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. And this is why he goes on. And this is clarifying for what he says at the end of chapter 12 where he says to earnestly desire the higher gifts. And we're like, what, what do we do with that? 
Well, the higher gifts is what he is referring to here in verse 5 when he says, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets, so that why? The church may be built up. This is why prophecy is greater than tongues. Not because one gift has more inherent value than another gift, but because the gift of prophecy serves in the gathering of God's people to build them up. We need to be careful to, to not hear what Paul is not, we need to be careful to not hear what Paul is not saying, yes. Paul is not saying tongues are unimportant. He is pointing to the fact that prophecy is more beneficial because it is always understandable and it should serve to strengthen the people who receive the messages. So we've defined tongues and prophecy. We've shown how they are distinct. Now let's talk about desiring them. Paul says three times in these three chapters, in 1231 we just saw it, in chapter 14, verse 1, and in chapter 14, verse 39, he uses the same word. He says, earnestly desire. And, and this is a, an instruction for all of the spiritual gifts. Any and every spiritual gift that God wants to give us, which, by the way, we said a lot this year as we've focused on the gifts and living empowered lives from the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, that we don't believe at our church that the gifts are restricted to just the, the list in the New Testament. You'll find about 20 gifts listed throughout the New Testament. We believe there are other gifts that God gives to build up his church and to expand the gospel. So, so Paul is saying three times to zealously, to earnestly, to passionately pursue these gifts. But you say, Pastor Tanner, what does that look like? And I wish I could go to like Apostle Paul and say, Apostle Paul, what does this look like? But he doesn't tell us what it looks like in chapter 14. So we have to go to other scripture to see uh, and reason to what this might look like. So number one, I would say this, pray. Pray. Ask God. God is our good father. He loves to give gifts to his children. This is what he talks about in Luke chapter 11. This is what James talks about in James chapter 1 verse 17. We ask God. In fact, James in chapter 4 says, you have not because you ask not. So one of the reasons maybe that you haven't experienced these gifts is because... You've never asked. And if you don't show any interest, maybe God's not going to like force it on you. So we ask. But not only should we pray and ask, we should also pray and ask with others. This is why it's so important. And we try to uh, create as many environments in our church through groups throughout the week, uh, through prayer gatherings before service or on the first Friday of every month at Fire Nights where we are providing environments of praise, prayer, and worship. So whether you're, whether you're uh, coming to a prayer gathering, a, prayer, a worship night, uh, whether you're in your small group, if God has put something on your heart, it's like, I would really love to serve more effectively with a particular gift, don't be afraid to ask and don't be afraid to ask other people to pray for you about the gifts that God may want to give you and certainly the gifts that he has already given you because we're growing and, and being, becoming stronger in all of these gifts. And by the way, just real quick, uh, I, I do believe there is room in the New Testament for what people would call impartation. In, in other words, we're someone is praying for someone else and God in that moment gives the gift. And it seems like he's giving the gift through the prayers of someone else. So 
if, you, if that happens, like if I'm praying over someone and God gives them a gift in that moment where they realize it or not, and they realize it a week later, does that gift come from me? No. It comes from God, but God in that moment through the prayer is answering the prayer on the spot, and he is giving it to the person. And if you're like, oh, I'm not so sure about that, well, that's exactly what happens when someone is healed or when someone is prayed for their anxiety and they just walk away with the supernatural peace that they can't explain. I mean, if God is the God of miracles and God is half the God that the Bible says that he is, certainly he could do that on the spot. So we pray and ask, we pray and ask with others. But then this is important. And listen, if you're, if you're like me and you grew up in churches that like rarely talked about all of the gifts in the Bible and when it was time to preach through 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, they did it in one sermon and basically only focused on chapter 13 because everyone's comfortable with that. And it's like, this is all new for you? Then here's a, an encouragement that you need to receive. Learn Read, listen, and study. First and foremost, just study your Bible. Just keep reading the Bible, these sections, and, and seek to understand what God is saying through his word. But this week in our newsletter, as we've done earlier this year, we're going to send uh, out a list of recommended resources that are just full of books and articles and sermons that you can listen to to grow in your understanding and prayerfully your practice of these gifts, which then leads me to the fourth encouragement. Not only pray, pray with others, study, read, learn. Uh, but then number four, step out and try to serve in these particular ways. So, so we've said it before, we'll say it again. If you never pray for someone to be healed in that moment, you'll never know if you have the gift of healing. Right? I mean, it's like common sense, and yet... So often, you will never know if you have the gift of teaching if you never open your Bible and seek to explain it to someone. But then when you do that and it's like, oh, that was helpful. And, and oh, I didn't like explain it all perfectly, but, but I, I need to study a little bit more and I'm growing in it. And it's like, oh, and then it's even more effective the next time when we're growing, we're growing. This is how all of the spiritual gifts can work. And so I just hope that as we seek to be a church on the move, that, that, are, that is earnestly desiring all the gifts that God wants to give us. We'll believe that God can do the impossible through us as we walk with him and as we're filled with his Holy Spirit. But again, let's ask the question, why? Why should we earnestly pursue these gifts with passion? Well, it is so number two, we can practice spiritual gifts according to their dynamic purpose. We want to practice spiritual gifts according to their dynamic purpose. Let's read verses 6 through 12 together. It says this, Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes... How will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. 
But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. We see in verse 6 that Paul uses the, the word benefit as synonymous with build up. If you want to know what it looks like to strengthen someone else through your spiritual gifts, to build them up, it means to bring them some spiritual benefit. And we all need some spiritual benefit in our lives. Can I get an amen? Amen, that's right. So, and Paul is so concerned with this, the focus again is not on really any one specific gift as much as it is what God desires to do through those gifts, which is build others up. He says it eight different times in verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, verse 12, verse 17, verse 19, and verse 26, which is really uh, the key verse of the chapter where it says, let all things be done for building up. And so to highlight the point that he's been making, he says in verse 6, listen, if I want people to be built up, I need to bring a revelation, which seems to be pointing to a word of prophecy. I need to be uh, bringing a word of knowledge, seeming to point back to chapter 12, verse 9, where Paul talks about um, God imparting supernatural knowledge, otherwise unknown, but it could also mean knowledge gained through diligent study. Or we need to bring uh, teaching, which is explaining God's word with truth. Uh, God's truth with clarity and relevance. And again, Paul highlights it because these are all understandable to everyone. But then to, to make his point, he gives three examples. And he says, he says about the gift of tongues and, and how it doesn't build others up if they don't understand the meaning. He says, well, you, you know about instruments, right? Like a flute or a harp or a guitar or the keys. It's like they need to be on distinct notes, otherwise people can't follow along and the song doesn't flow and sound good. And then he goes on and, and he talks about uh, a military uh, example with the battlefield. And, and in ancient times, they didn't have all of these, you know, radio signals and waves and ways to communicate through global positioning systems and all of this. They had horns. And so the, the, the uh, trumpeteer would blow the, the horn or the, the buglist, if that's what they're called. They would blow the bugle. Thank you, bugles. Um, and that's when people would know, hey, it's, it's communicating a message. When he does the... Da, 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 da. No, never mind. Uh, when he does that, it's like it's time to show up and fight the war. And this is what the gifts do as well. They, they not only bring a blessing to people, but they, they, they help us move out. The speech gifts help us move out and take action. Let me tell you something. If you receive a prophetic word, don't just like, okay, thanks, God. Here's what you do. You, you pray on it. You, you process it. Maybe you need a journal a little bit about it. Maybe get someone else to pray with you because we live in community and we want to weigh everything out anyway as the Bible says. And then we want to walk and we want to move forward. And we want to see how God is going to, to bring these messages to fruition in our lives. Verses 10 and 11, he uses what we understand very well as a, a very diverse church in Boston. That there are many different languages of the world. And I, I respect and honor all of you who are bilingual. Because I've, as I've shared before, all right, I've tried and I've failed and I tried again and I failed again, all right? So it's, like, it's very difficult to learn different languages to speak. And Paul says if, if two people don't speak the same language, they're not going to understand one another and be able to, to communicate. 
So Paul in all of this, he's, he's saying, look, I, I want you to walk in the ways of God. And to be eager for manifestations of the Spirit, but be eager for the manifestations of the Spirit. Not so that it can be, you can be amazed and you know, like people can look at you and like, oh, you're so special, you're so great. But we're eager for the manifestations of the Spirit so that we can strive to excel in building up God's church. The spiritual gifts have dynamic purposes. It's not just like you get a little bit of a strength, but we go back to verse 3, and what did it, what did it say? It says that, that prophecy specifically builds up, encourages, and consoles. Some translations would say strengthen, encourage, and comfort. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I know about me. And actually, I, I know about you because I know about me. We all get a little weak sometimes, right? We all get, God knows, we all get a little discouraged sometimes. We, we get a little turmoil within us and we need to be strengthened. We need to be encouraged. We need a word of comfort just at the proper time. And Paul is saying, look, God, is, God has given you these gifts so that you can do this for one another as you follow Jesus. And so what I want to do as we bring our time to a close, I want to I just give you a bit of space to begin to pray. And listen, maybe God is putting a desire in your heart for a specific gift. Maybe it's just a greater uh, manifestation just means display, a, a working of God's power through the gift of encouragement or teaching or mercy or leadership or whatever. But just to pray right now and say, God, would you, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit and would you empower me with, with any and every gift that you want to give me so that I move out and serve and love others in your name. So let's just bow our heads and ask God to move in our hearts. Maybe you need to pray that God would increase your desire for an earnest desire. And sometimes that's just the best place to start. So listen. However, however God's leading you to pray, would you pray now as I lead us in just a moment? Father, we're so thankful for your care, for your attention to each person here today. God, we're amazed that you would, you would even have one thought toward us, that you would love us like you love us. And God, we're, we're, we're that much more amazed that you would desire to give us gifts for the sake of others. So God, would you increase our desires? First for you, 
and then for these gifts that we might move out and love others in your name so that people could see how great you are. So, God, that people could see how much you love them. We know that these gifts are your love going public through us. And so, God, we ask that you would fill us up and move us out in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our church, at group on Tuesday and Wednesday night, Saturday at the Thanksgiving meal giveaway, God, wherever we are. Whatever is going on, whoever is in front of us, God, we will never see a person that you don't love. And so our assumption should be, God, that maybe, just maybe, you want to use us to help them, to encourage them, to comfort them, to console them, God. Whatever it is, we want to be ready. And so, God, I want to unashamedly ask that you would pour out more of the gifts of your Holy Spirit on this church known as Redemption Hill. God, we are, we are not afraid of what you want to do, God, because if you want to do something, God, if you want to give 10 people the gift of tongues this week, or if you want 20 people to prophesy in your name, Lord, we want all of what you want for us. And so, God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your heart. We thank you that you're so trustworthy. We're thankful that you light us up to shine your light in the world that you've placed us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.